0: But today we're going to begin a new message series entitled "Faith Heroes," and we're going to be looking in this series about uh, about people, stories of people in the Bible, ordinary people whom God used in extraordinary ways. We're going to learn how they heard God speak to them, how they responded. We're going to be encouraged how God helped them go through trials and difficulties as they followed God's plan and purpose for their lives. And yet, none of these faith heroes that we're going to look at were perfect. Sometimes we elevate the people that God used in the Bible into some, you know, sainthood or something, like they were people totally in another realm than we are. They were ordinary people, just like you and me, imperfect, and yet they believed God, they followed God, and God helped them to achieve God's purpose. Now, in this series, we're going to be looking at the stories of those who... Follow God's purpose and achieve God's purpose. Maybe in another series someday we'll look at people who missed it. And there's plenty of stories in the Bible too of people who missed it. So it's perfectly uh, possible for a person to miss God's purpose for their life. It's not automatic at all. We must cooperate with God. We must persevere in following God's plan and purpose for our lives even when we face difficulties and problems because we will face difficulties and problems as we follow God, and as we persevere, God will lead us through to the victory. Well, today our story is, I've called it, God's dreamer, God's dreamer. Now, many people today lack purpose, they lack direction in their lives. They're not sure if their lives are headed in the right direction or not, and this lack of purpose, this lack of fulfillment leads to frustration, People try this thing and they they don't feel fulfilled. They try something else and they keep trying things and it it grows old. But today we're going to see that God has a purpose for your life. And we can find fulfillment as we follow that purpose. Even though you may be unsure that God has a purpose for your life, believe me, He does. And He wants you to find that purpose. God has a unique purpose plan for your life. He has a unique plan for every one of your days. He has a plan for your tomorrow. He has a plan for your today and God's plan for your days, God's plan for your life is the best possible plan that exists. You could not choose, you could not manufacture a better plan. Why? Because God created you. He's placed you in the place you're living. He's put you In the time and history in which we live. He's created everything about you. He's given you the abilities that you have. And he has the best plan for your life that there could be. Jeremiah 29, 11. God speaks and says, For I know the plans I have for you. Declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now we have people here today representing all all ages, all walks of life, from young to not so young. Now, this message is not just for the young people. It's for everybody because as long as you're breathing, as long as you're alive, God has a plan for the rest of your life. Now, for some of us, the rest of our lives, I mean, we've lived longer than we're going to live. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves. And for others, you have a whole life ahead of you, but whatever stage in life you're in, God has a plan for for the rest of it. Not only does God have a plan for our lives, he's not trying to keep it secret. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants to reveal it to you. Acts 2:17 says in the, I talked about this last Sunday. We're going to look at another aspect of it today. Acts 2:17 says and in the last days God declares that I will pour, it shall be that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. According to the Bible, we won't get into it today, we are living in the last days right now. Uh, this was preached 2,000 years ago as an explanation of what was happening then. They were living in the last days then, they were living in the last days now. The last days is the time from when Jesus ascended into heaven until he returns again. That's the period of time we are living in. Now what's referred to in this verse is three activities of the Holy Spirit, and they are all examples of God revealing his plan and purpose to people. The first activity is prophecy, in which God is speaking through people, revealing what he wants to do, revealing his heart, revealing his plan. Visions and dreams are other ways that God communicates with people, Throughout the last days, in a variety of ways, there's a variety of types of visions, a variety of types of dreams. And so today we're going to answer this simple question, uh, is it possible to discover God's unique purpose for my life and live it out and for your life and live it out? So let's see how, as we look at this story, how God prepares and plants a person in the right place at the right time in the right family for his purposes. So let's look at God's preparation of each one of us. Our story begins in Genesis chapter 37. It says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was, pouring, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And so we meet the main character in our story, a young man, age 17, His name is Joseph. He's one of 12 brothers in his family. He worked in the fields with his brothers. He herded his father's flocks. And so God's preparation for each and every one of us began with our family of origin. In case you're wondering, parents don't determine who their children are going to be. It just happens. Uh... God determines who our children are going to be. Children don't choose their parents. Families are put together by God. And so it was with Joseph's family. And we'll soon find out that Joseph's family was not perfect. In fact, it was far from perfect. It was a very dysfunctional family. And yet God had placed Joseph in this family. Joseph had been herding flocks with his brothers And things didn't go so well. Joseph brought a bad report of them, his brothers, to their father. Now Israel, that's the father, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. So the family problems began with Joseph tattletaling on his brothers. Now I'm saying it negative. His brothers, as we'll see, were not the most godly brothers. So perhaps he was doing his job and telling his father, do you know what your sons are doing? So he bought this bad report to his brothers. And so the next family issue was that Israel, his father, had chosen Joseph as his favorite. Not a good thing to do as a parent. It causes problems. uh, And it caused great problems here. Why did he choose Joseph as his favorite? Well, it says in the story because he was uh, his second to the last son. And also it was from the wife. There we see other problems. He had multiple wives. It was of the wife that he loved the most. So there was all kinds of problems with his family. And of course, Joseph's brothers did not like that he told on them. They did not like that he was the father's favorite. And so they, it says, uh, they hated him. And so we have a nice loving family, right, to start life in. Not exactly. And yet it was the family that God had placed Joseph in. And one day that family would be used incredibly in fulfilling God's purpose. This is the family from which the 12 tribes of Israel came. But that's part of another story. So God's preparation begins with your family. And even if you're older, even if your parents are gone now, God had placed you in that family. And that family had prepared you and set things in motion for the rest of your life as well. Our story continues with a God-given dream. It says, Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. I mean, they started to hate him, and now... It was amplified. They hated it. Hated him. Now Joseph's first dream was of all uh, they, all his brothers' sheaves, wheat sheaves. They worked in the fields. His, their wheat sheaves bowing down to his sheaf as they were harvesting together. And what are the implications of that? That all his brothers would bow down and worship or serve him. Now Joseph was already his father's favorite, and now he's dreaming of all his older brothers bowing down to him. It was. It was not going well in his family life, as made his, their, his brother's uh, hatred grow even more intense. Then Joseph had a second dream, and in this dream, the sun, moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to him. Now, that obviously represented his parents and his brothers. And so he told that dream to his father. When he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And so now not only Joseph's brothers were upset, his father was upset with him. Now we don't know exactly how Joseph presented these dreams to his family and to his father. Perhaps at 17 there might have been a little bit of pride or a little bit of something there that wasn't exactly godly, uh, that may have made the tensions greater, but the Bible doesn't say, so we don't really know. And yet, with those dreams, God was preparing Joseph for his future purpose, but that purpose was still a long ways off. It was way in the future, and so God always prepares us for his purposes, You know, oftentimes the dreams that God reveals to us have to do with quite a distant future. And we have the tendency to believe everything is going to happen right away. Everything is going to happen immediately. And maybe that was what Joseph thought. This is going to happen very quickly. Let me tell my brothers that I'm going to be their leader. And it didn't go over too well. Now, as we speak today of dreams... God can still speak to, in literal dreams. He can speak to people in literal dreams, and he does. Uh, but every dream you have is not God speaking to you. Okay, I guess we've all figured that out, right? And so uh, I'm using the term broadly here today, God communicating to us in some way his plan and purpose. That's his dream for our life. Like we say, I have a dream to do this. It doesn't always mean a literal dream. It might be just God speaking to us in other ways. Let me give you an example from my life. Uh, many years ago, I was working as a, uh, a PhD chemist at Monsanto doing chemical research there. My father uh, had been a pastor. I'll be honest, I never wanted to be one. Uh, it seemed like, uh, seemed like a hard job. Uh, and uh, I never wanted to be one. I loved doing chemical research and uh, mixing chemicals I didn't have to deal with. I shouldn't talk too much here, so um, let's just leave that be. That was not in my notes, and I was getting in trouble when I get off my notes. But uh, one day, out of the blue, uh, it was like God visited me. I was driving, I went to a conference, and and God began speaking to me, and I didn't have a literal vision, I didn't have a literal dream, but I knew that God had spoken to me, and I was sure he was calling me into full-time ministry to be a pastor. It was something I didn't want to do. But it was, I just knew he had spoken to me. And so I, of course, assumed it was something I should get on with right away. I had not been working at Monsanto very long, and I, I uh, spoke to my pastor at the time, and they came up with a, a possibility for a type of missions position for me in England, working with... Uh, a a team over there and uh, serving the church over there. And I was excited. I thought that was God's plan for me. I I owned a a house at that time. I sold my house. I was getting ready to move to England. But something else was going on at that time. I I, I didn't immediately quit my job, which was good. Uh, Something else was going on at that time. God had spoken to me about something else. Besides calling me into a ministry about a young lady, beautiful young lady that I was leading young adults with, and her name was Carol. Well, uh, I had just started dating her, and I told her my plans about England, and she was not pleased. Uh, She just didn't see how she fit into that picture, and I really didn't have an answer for that either. It just these two things did not fit together. And after further prayer and seeking further counsel, I realized that my relationship with Carol was what God was calling me to pursue at this time, and I did not pr- continue to pursue the England position. And it was not till many years later, after seminary preparation, after getting married to Carol, after starting a family that God opened the right doors for ministry right here in St. Louis, and not in England. Right here where all my relationships were. And, uh, I, and Carol's relationships were. So be careful with the dreams that God gives you. Be careful about making assumptions and timing. Uh, be careful even in interpreting the dreams. Get wise counsel from other people. Seek God's word. And he will help you interpret that dream and follow his plan. Now, when we have dreams, when God gives us dreams, there's always going to be a tax on that dream. So let's look at what happened in our story, verse 13. and Israel, which is Joseph's father, said to Joseph, "Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them." And he said to him, "Here I am." And so Joseph's father uh, told Joseph to check on his brothers. Now It was probably not a good thing for him to do based on the past animosity. But for some reason, he told Joseph, go check on his brothers. Perhaps the father's thinking maybe they're getting into trouble again. And I need somebody who can report back to me. Now, we're going to see that when God gives a dream of his plan to someone, in this case, Joseph, there's always going to be attacks. Now, why is that? Well, because there's another player in our lives. There's another actor or character in this story as Satan, the enemy of God, and he wants to thwart God's dreams for your life, for my life. Anything that God is doing, he wants to thwart it. The Bible says we're in constant warfare, spiritual warfare, with this unseen enemy. And so Satan was back there. He's back in the Old Testament. He's in the New Testament. He's been there since when? The Garden of Eden were first introduced to him. So he's been around a very, very long time. And so there will be attacks on our dreams. There will be attacks on us. In this case, the attack was directly on Joseph. Attacks on his life. They, which is his brothers, saw him, that's Joseph, from afar as he was coming to check on him. And before he came near to them, they conspired against him to kill him. Nice set of brothers, right? Great family. Loving family. Eleven brothers agreeing together to kill their youngest brother. Why? Well, Satan knew if Joseph was killed, what would come of his dreams? Nothing. I mean, they would be over. So that's one way for Satan to stop somebody's dream. Kill the person the dream is for. It would never, uh, he would never be able to fulfill God's purpose if that happened. And yet, there was one brother who did not want to kill his brother God had put him in the family as well. It was Reuben. and Reuben got, had gotten into all kinds of other trouble before, but we won't go into that. Uh, and Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand to restore him to his father. And so Reuben had a plan. He didn't want to see his, his brother killed. To throw him in this pit, uh, he, he was trying to deceive his brothers. And he would come back secretly and release Joseph, take him back to his father. His brothers would thought he'd just leave him there and he would die in the pit without any food, unable to climb out. But we see God's plan at work, even here, even in the midst of this difficulty, even in the midst of these ungodly brothers with this murderous attitude in in speaking to and helping one of the brothers, Reuben, save Joseph's life and keep the dream alive. So if taking the life of, of someone who is following God's plan or God's dream doesn't work, then Satan will next bring to bear attacks on relationships. Attacks on re, in, in this story and on our relationships. Another brother, Judah, said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let us let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. And so now a second brothers having second thoughts, even about throwing Joseph into the pit, because they assumed he would die of starvation down there. I mean, pretty cruel death to, to put your brother through. And so he had second thoughts about that. And just then, by God's providence, a caravan of slave traders was coming by on their uh, camels. And the brothers decided to sell Joseph as a slave to this caravan of slave traders. Now, what was the brothers' motive? Why why were they being so mean to Joseph? Well, they wanted to get rid of him. They, They wanted to get rid of these dreams of them bowing down to him. They didn't want anything to do with him. He irritated them. He made them mad. And so I believe that Satan wanted to destroy the relationships of, of Joseph to his parents with his father by getting him out of the picture, sending him far, far away. And so there will always be attacks on the, on the dreams and plans that God has for your life. Now, these attacks come in many different forms. Sometimes Satan impersonates God and a dream Or plan that you think God has for you. Is not really from God at all. It's from Satan. So just because you can come up, conjure a plan or dream in your mind that seems good to you. Doesn't mean it came from God. This usually happens when you want something so badly. That you convince yourself that God is speaking to you when he isn't. And this happens all the time. All the time. I really want this. God. God. I I really want... Yes, you want it for me too. Oh, praise God. It's going to happen. And people get deceived. How can you tell the difference? If all you're doing is listening to voices in your head, you are going to be deceived over and over again. You need to look at God's word carefully, see how it fits in with God's plan that he's given to us in his word, and you need to listen to godly counsel of people that God has put into your life, people of authority, uh, people who have uh, walked with God a long time, the Bible speaks of elders, uh, people who are walking with God, they can give you godly counsel and help you discern what is true and what is not. Sometimes there will be direct attacks by Satan on you, making things difficult, as we see in this story. At other times, Satan will simply seem to distract you from God's plan and purpose, By getting your priorities in life wrong. If other things are a higher priority in your life than God's plan, then God's plan may never be accomplished. And God can use all kinds of things. I mean, not Satan can use all kinds of things to get your priorities wrong. Yet other attacks have to do with sowing doubt in your mind about God's plan. I think, oh, it's too hard. I can't do it. This is never going to work out get you discouraged to quit and give up on the plan. I believe that all of God's plans that he has for us can be only completed, can only be fulfilled in relationship with other believers. And when we pray and seek God together, he will help us survive the attacks and fulfill the plan or dream that God has for us. Now, Joseph's brothers were were certainly not acting in a godly way towards Joseph. They had committed some serious sins against him. I mean, they wanted to murder him, and it was only a couple of them had second thoughts. The other ten apparently would have just gone through with it. And so there are great consequences. uh, when people, The people that attack God's plan in somebody's life, there'll be consequences to that sin. So there were consequences here of the family's sin. And so even though God's plan, as we'll see, would ultimately be fulfilled, there were major consequences in that family as a result of the brothers' sin in selling Joseph into slavery. One sin often leads to another, and so this first sin of trying to get rid of Joseph led to uh, the brothers deceiving their parents. Verse 31, then they, that's the brothers, took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a gout and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and brought it to their father and said, this we have found. Please identify whether it's your son's robe or not. Well, you know what was going on here? Well, the brothers had sold Joseph to slave traders. He was gone. So how were they going to explain where Joseph was? He'd been sent to to go to his brothers and come back to his father. Now he disappeared. So they had to come up with a story of what happened to their brother because their father would have held them responsible. And so they took Joseph's unique many-colored robe that they had taken from him before they sold him to the slave traders. They stained it with blood, and they brought it to their father, pretending not to know what had happened. Pretty cruel. Uh, Pretty cruel thing that they did. In Israel, the father drew the conclusion that a wild animal had killed Joseph and that he was dead. And so not only had the brothers deceived their father, they they put him, I mean, he was an old man at this time. they put him into a lot of emotional distress and grief because he thought Joseph was dead. And yet we'll see that God's plan was not thwarted. God's plan did continue for Joseph. All his sons and his daughters, that's the father's sons and daughters, now rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol with my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites had sold him, that's Joseph, in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard. And so Joseph's father was so distraught that the... At the Seeming death of his son that he didn't want to be comforted. He, he wanted to die. He was just, life seemed over for him uh, because his favorite son was no longer with him. Now, his brothers really couldn't do anything to comfort him. Uh, they knew the truth, but they weren't going to talk about it. And for all they knew, what would happen to a slave? I mean, he could, he could be dead anyhow. But the chapter ends in verse 36 with the beginning of the next chapter in Joseph's life and God's dream for him. He was sold to an officer of Pharaoh who was the leader of all of Egypt. And so despite vicious attacks on Joseph and his relationships with his family, God's plan was continuing and ultimately, we'll see some of that next Sunday, ultimately the plan would involve the reunion of the entire family and reconciliation. And yet the consequences of the brother's sin brought deep pain uh, to themselves and to their parents. So we must be careful not to let Satan use conflict to attack God's dreams in our lives or the lives of others. Conflict in relationships is one of Satan's prime attack vectors. Whether that conflict is between spouses in a marriage, between Uh, parents and children, or between friends, fellow believers. God wants us to be peacemakers in conflict, not let conflict tear his the plans and purposes he has for our lives apart. Trust that as we follow God, he will cause his dreams for your life and the people in your family to be fulfilled. Now, sometimes We get confused about dreams and I I don't want you to be confused like God's going to give you some grandiose dream and and chart out every last thing that's going to happen for you till the time you pass on. Oftentimes the dreams and plans that God has for our life, they're very practical and and oftentimes they're made up of small pieces. You know, what could be God's dream for your life? I mean, God's dream for your life is more than just existing. It's more than just having a job and putting food on the table. God wants, God's plans for you and for me have to do with impacting eternity. And how do we impact eternity? It's, it's through other people. None of the things we see around us is going to last for eternity. Not our buildings, our houses, our cars, our jobs. Now they're all useful, we all need them, there's nothing wrong with them. But what's going to be around for eternity? It's people. And they're going to exist either in one place with God or in another place without God, either in heaven or hell. And so God's plans and purposes for each of our lives involves impacting other people for Him. And so perhaps God's dream for some of your lives might be a a relative, a, a son, a daughter, a spouse, an uncle, an aunt, something who you know doesn't know God. And God's plan for your life is to lead them into relationship with Jesus Christ. God's plan for your life may well involve a certain job in a certain place. But it involves interacting with people there and touching their lives, being a witness for Him in that place. Things that have to do with eternity. And God's plan for a life involves many different dreams and things that fit together into a coherent whole. So today we've looked at the story of God's dreamer, Joseph. I encourage you to read the entire chapter that we kind of jumped through, chapter 37 of Genesis this week. And God has prepared each one of us for his dream. He's put each one of us in the family of his choosing. None of us grew up in a perfect family. But be grateful for your parents, be grateful for your siblings. You see, not only was Ultimately, I'm getting ahead of myself, but not only ultimately was Joseph restored to his father, he was restored to his brothers. And so the siblings that you have, they were chosen by God just for you, not just for the time you were living together in your parents' house, but for life. If you don't really know God's dream or plan for your life, if it's just for the rest of your life, ask him. Say, God, I, I really want to know. I want you to speak to me. And when you seek God with all your heart, he will reveal it to you. He wants you to know it. He wants you to follow it. And whenever you're seeking to follow God's dream for your life, as you step out in it, you will be attacked. And the bigger the dream, the bigger the attacks. Attacks don't mean you're doing something wrong. They mean you're doing something right. You know, if you're not following God's plan for your life at all, Satan is going to leave you alone. He's already got you where he wants you. He's not going to attack you anymore. There's going to be attacks on you personally upon your relationships, but seek to be a peacemaker and not a cause for conflict. And believe that despite opposition, despite attacks, if you keep on following God's dream, if you keep on following God's plan, if you persevere, it will ultimately be fulfilled. So the answer to our question that we began the message with, Can you know God's unique purpose for your life? The answer is yes, you can know it. Yes, you can follow it, and you can joyfully live it out. It's the best possible plan you could possibly follow. Now, in order to discover God's unique plan for your life, the first step for each and every person on this planet is to enter into a relationship with God. Because God is the one who has the plan. And if you're not in relationship with him, You're not going to be able to follow that plan. There are not multiple ways to enter into a relationship with God. As some would say, there is one way. And that one way is through faith in Jesus Christ. To become a child of God and to begin to carry out His plan for your life, you need to admit that you've sinned. Sin is simply following your plan for your life rather than God's. And that's what everybody starts out doing. You need to admit that it's wrong. Admit that we've sinned. Turn away from that sin, repent, and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross that your sins might be forgiven. He rose from the dead. He's alive today. You commit your life to following him and his plan for your life. I'd like to ask everyone to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you've never made a commitment to Jesus, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Perhaps you've wandered away, you've got off track, and you know it. Gone off track of God's plan for your life, and you want to get back on track and recommit your life to him and his plan. You can pray this as well. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things, I've been following my plan, and it's it's not working out so good. Please forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. I turn away from those sins, and I put my faith and trust in you. I commit myself to you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I want to follow your plan for my life from this day forward. For those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, today we thank you for this story from thousands of years ago of Joseph who lived out your dream for his life. Thank you that you have a dream, that you have a plan for the rest of each one of our lives. Forgive us when we're, we've confused what we want to do with your plan for us. Help us to submit to your plans even when they're not easy, even maybe when they're not something we want to do. Strengthen us for the attacks that we may be facing right now and prepare us for the attacks that will happen in the future. I pray that you'd encourage everyone here to not give up, but to trust you to fulfill your dreams for each one of us. Help us to be peacemakers when the devil comes in to attack our relationships. May we not give Satan a foothold. We we believe that as we follow you, as we follow your plans and dreams for our lives, they will ultimately be fulfilled. And you will use us to impact eternity. And bring glory to you. Today we remember the undercover missionaries in China, God. Risking their lives, risking all kinds of things to spread the gospel there in that land, in a country where they're seeking to squelch out true faith. God, we pray you give them creative ways. We pray that you protect them. We pray that many would be saved. Churches would be built. And your kingdom would flourish in that land. God, we pray for the victims in the Bahamas of the hurricane, horrific hurricane, God. Uh, we pray as Assemblies of God, Convoy of Hope goes there, that you would use them to provide relief. And uh, even some of God churches there that have been destroyed, God, you'd help, you'd help them know what to do and how to proceed in that difficult time in which many people have lost their lives. Uh, we just pray, God, that you, your compassion and love would be with those people who are suffering in that area. In all this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.